Mm. Yeah, come on. One more time, let's give him a shout of praise before you take a seat. Great are you, Lord. He is the reason for the season. I know it's a little cheesy to say, but we're here to celebrate Jesus. So if you're going to give him a round of applause, do it with everything in you. Come on. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Say hello to a neighbor. Give him a high five. Grab a seat, settle in. I hope you're excited. I hope you're excited. Well, welcome to the Exchange Church. How's everyone doing tonight? Yeah. yeah. If this is your first time here, my name is Andy Meyer. I'm the lead pastor here at the Exchange. My beautiful wife, Christy. That's her right there. We launched this church just under two years ago. This is our second The Exchange Christmas. So if you're here today, you're here in the early days. So get excited. Get excited. Get excited. And so I want to welcome you. I know Becky and Larry already did so, but... But welcome to the exchange. Welcome to our Christmas Eve service. We're going to do a, a candlelight vigil in just a moment. Before I do that, though, I want to share a few messages with you, a few announcements, if you will. I've got a Christmas message to preach tonight. We're going to light some candles. We're going to sing Oh Holy Night, and we're going to send you out in style. You guys okay with that? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so if it is your first time here, you're going to hear us talk a little bit about what we call Box Church. You already heard Larry and Becky kind of set it up a moment ago. And, and the reason why it's important for you to know that is that our ministry model here at The Exchange is just a little bit different. It's not necessarily anything new. In fact, if you really wanted to break it down, it's about as old as church meeting models get. And so this is what we do. The first Sunday of every month we're here in this building here at the Devon. For a church service basically like this, not as many Christmas trees, but you get what I'm talking about. And then the Sundays in between, we meet in what we call box churches, which are church homes that meet all over Sarasota County, from Sarasota all the way down to Inglewood. And what we do is that we go through a book of the Bible every month together with our box churches. And then when we come back here for our first Sunday service, I preach on the book of the Bible that you've spent the month reading. And so what we're really attempting to do is to elevate reading the word of God to the same level as going to church. Because I need you to know that one moment, one revelation in the word of God, it will change your life forever. It'll change your life forever. And that's what we do here at The Exchange is we attempt to get people in front of the living word of God with the hopes that he will come alive inside of you. Amen? Amen? And so this is what we do. And so there are some tables set up over here. If you're interested in signing up for a box church, if you're not already, we would love to have you do that. If not, and you're just sticking your toe in the water today, that's great. We'll be back here the first Sunday of next month. So that's not this Sunday, but next Sunday. And you can come back again, check it out, see what it's like on a normal Sunday. And you'll have an opportunity then. We're finishing up the book of John right now. And then next month, we're going to be launching into the book of Hebrews. And it's going to be an exciting one. So if that's something you'd be interested in, we'll be back here the first Sunday of actually 2021, January 3rd. And so tonight, I want to take a few moments to discuss why the Bible says Jesus's birth is so important. Why the Bible says that Jesus's birth 
is so important. Before we do that, if you don't mind, can I pray? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We open up the word of God that you left behind. We open up the word with the, with the hopes and the expectation that we will encounter you. Lord, we glorify your son, Jesus. This may not be the exact date that he was born into the earth, but it's the day that we choose to honor him and to celebrate him all over the world. So Holy Spirit, have your way. Jesus, allow your name to be glorified tonight. Come alive through the word of God. I give my words to you. They're no longer mine. We believe at the Exchange Church that one word, energized by the Holy Spirit, can change a life forever. So here we are, Lord. Say what needs to be said. We honor you. We celebrate you. And we do it all in Jesus' beautiful name. And the Exchange Church said, Amen. 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 Thank you. Man, that was good. We got the kids in service with us, which the kids are a big part of our church. If you guys are new here, kids are around a lot. We don't always ship them off to a back room or anything like that. Sometimes we do, but a lot of times we've got the kids in service. In fact, next uh, month when we're here for our first Sunday service, the kids will be in service with us. Uh, Going forward, we're going to start setting up some kids ministry areas over in some of the adjoining rooms. But kids are a big part of what we do. And the reason why it's important that you know that is that Jesus was once a kid. Yeah, little baby Jesus. You know, the one they talk about in Talladega Nights? Little baby Jesus in a manger, that one. Jesus was a child at one point. And this, this concept up for discussion tonight, really it's the, it's the cornerstone of our Christian faith. The concept or theology, if you will, of Jesus being born into the world through a woman is a term called incarnation. Incarnation. So if you let me just kind of teach a little bit, I want to explain why it's important for you to know what that word means. As a church, I told you guys we've been spending these months reading through the books of the Bible. And last, actually the last two months, we've been reading through the, the gospel of John together, learning about the story of Jesus, discovering who his family was and where he was from and the miraculous things that he did. But tonight, I thought it would be important to look at what the Bible actually says about Jesus's birth. And so for that, we're going to be jumping over into Matthew's gospel to start tonight's message. We're going to be in Matthew 118. You ready? Okay. Daisha's ready. The rest of you saddle up. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with us. You know what separates Christianity from every 
other religion in history, every other religion that the world has had to offer tells you that you have to tip the scales of good and bad in your favor enough to come into the presence of God, to receive eternity, to go to heaven. You have to do enough good to get to God. Christianity is the only religion that says that you cannot do enough good to get to God. So God came down to us. He came to us. He came so that we did not have to earn it. It's a gift and it's called grace. And he came and he died so that we did not have to earn anything from God. We could just receive the gift that was bought for us on the cross of Calvary. Now, incarnation, this term is one that is really not used in any other aspect of life. And if you just did like a Google search or Wikipedia search of of incarnation, it would basically tell you that the incarnation is the belief that Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, also known as God, the son or the word was made flesh by being conceived in the womb of a woman, the Virgin Mary also known as the God-bearer. It's a word called theotokos, the doctrine of the incarnation. Then it entails that Jesus is fully God and fully human. We've been talking about this in our box churches as we've been reading through the Gospel of John. And maybe some of you that have been meeting up in Sarasota or down in Inglewood or in Osprey, you've been talking about this concept of Jesus fully God and Jesus fully man. How does this work. It's one of the deepest points of discussion that we can have. And it's one that's meant to be thought on, prayed over, meditated in, and received as revelation from God. And this cornerstone of our Christian faith, although it is one of the hinge points of what we believe, I don't know if you guys know this, but it's also one of the greatest stumbling blocks for those who are struggling to come to faith. They have a hard time believing that a virgin gave birth to a baby, that a man can also be God or that God could also be a man. They have a hard time with this concept of the incarnation. And so my hope tonight is I just want to take a couple of minutes to briefly present to you a different perspective. Larry said it a minute ago, 2020 has been a year. Amen. Amen. It's been a year. For some of us, it's been devastating. For some of us, it's came with loss, loss of jobs, loss of income. Maybe even for some of you, loss of life. It's been a year of mourning in many ways. But in other ways, it's been a moment and a a year of perspective. Because when things come, when things that come that affect almost all of society, when it seems like the foundations of the earth have been rattled, It causes us to step back and really ask ourselves what is important and the power of perspective. It will change your life forever. And so the simplest way that I can explain the incarnation is that Jesus is the way that God became flesh. This was our anchor verse in last month's first Sunday service. It was in John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In verse 14, it says, the word became flesh 
and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And so this concept of the incarnation, if you really think about it for a moment, it's not as difficult to understand as you would think. So God, the father, the creator, the uncreated one, the all existing one is what the Bible says he is. He existed before existence. He was uncreated before creation. And so he is the engineer. He is the one who designed all that we know as existence. He is the one who drew up the blueprints for the universe. He's the one that designed the earth that we live on. He's the one that sewed you together through the threads of your DNA. So if all of that being said can be true, then is it really that big of a leap of faith to believe that he could put a child inside of a mother's womb? And this is how God became flesh. This is how he came into the earth. And it says that they assigned this name Jesus, the name assigned to him. It's, it's a name in Hebrew that's actually pronounced Emmanuel. And it means God with us. God born of a woman coming to the earth as a child to experience this life in every aspect the same as you and me. Not a far off God. Not a God who has left us to our own devices to make mistakes and stumble around in the darkness to find him. A God who came in the flesh through a woman as a child and walked the earth the same as we did. A God who can relate. A God who understands. A God who's been hurt and ridiculed Heartbroken and backstabbed. Everything that you think you could possibly go through, Jesus experienced. And he says that there's peace in him if you'll take these things to the foot of the cross. You see, our Heavenly Father knows us through and through. And the Bible says, even knowing we would sin, he still chose to love us. So that being said, he created us knowing we would turn from him. But also knowing he would be the one to save us. And so in this moment right now, listen to me here, church, we're living both simultaneously in a season of rebelling against God. All while his plan of salvation is unfolding. God knew we would run and that in our running we would get lost. But he knew in our wondering and confusion we would begin yearning. For a home, but in our confusion, we would have to realize that we had lost our way and ask for help. And God then sends Jesus, born of a woman, all God, all man. And I believe if we were somehow able to be in that room, in the throne room of God, as He was sending Jesus down, the Father, our Heavenly Father, Sending his son down into a fallen world, knowing, knowing that we would kill him, that we would brutalize him. He sends him down with a mission. And I believe if we somehow would have audience with the father and the son and the Holy Spirit, we would hear something like this. What is your mission, Jesus? Father, I will bring them life and life to the full. 
Who are you going for, Jesus? I'm not going for the righteous father, but for the sinners, not the healthy father, but the sick. Well, why are you going, Jesus? The sheep are lost, Father, and they need a shepherd. Jesus, he is the good shepherd, and it says he lays his life down for the flock. And I imagine him saying, Father, I must go and show them your love. We can't just shout our love from heaven. I will show it to them from there on earth. And John 1.17 says this, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Romans 5.18 says this, Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Sin came from a man and through a man. And redemption came through a man as well. Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God among us. Emmanuel is not a God who is far off. He's not a God who is distant. He is a God who is with us. And the word of God says where two or three are gathered, he is there with us. Amen? Amen? Merry Christmas, church. Jesus has come. God's will will be done in Sarasota as it is in heaven. If you believe that, someone give Jesus a round of applause. The church Amen? And so I want to invite my family to come up. We're going to end tonight's service with a candlelight vigil as we just light the flame of fire to represent the word of God and we're going to send you out with a worship song and of course if you'd like to stay for some hot chocolate and all the good stuff that comes with that you can and so as my family makes their way up here I'd I'd like to just introduce them to you for those of you who don't come on a regular basis so this is my beautiful wife Christy who's coming up behind me right here and these are our five children Haley, Emma, Riley, Oliver and Miracle They're a big part of what we do here at the Exchange Church. And so before we start the candlelight portion of the service, we just want to say from our family to yours, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. So has anybody ever wondered why we do candlelight services? If you've come here to the Exchange, I think I might have explained this before, but I feel like it's worth repeating. I've always wondered, why do they do candlelight services? What's the point in that? I mean, pretty much every church that exists... During Christmas time, at some point, does the candlelight service. Let me tell you why, okay? First and foremost is in John 8, 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you don't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. This is the first part of why we do candlelight services. Listen to me, church. Christianity is not some system of religion where you have to have blind faith, you're not allowed to ask questions, and you're just meant to follow obediently. Jesus is the light. It says he will lead you into truth. You are allowed to ask questions, and you're allowed to come to him in prayer with your frustrations, and it says that Jesus will lead you into truth. But secondly, the reason that we do candlelight services is found in Matthew 5.14, and it says this. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp 
and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Jesus is the light and he leads us into truth. But the truth should lead us into a relationship with him. And that relationship with him brings salvation into our hearts and in our minds. Which means once we come into a salvation relationship with Jesus, guess what we become? We become the light. And so symbolically tonight, we're going to light these candles up here. And then my kids are going to bring this light out to you. And we're going to worship together as we send you guys out as light in the darkness. As voices in the wilderness. As a lamp on a table shining bright for all to see. Amen? Amen. Worship team, you can make your way up. We're going to go ahead and start lighting our our candles and we're going to start sending those out to you. We're going to ask you just to hang tight as we spread that out across the room. And we're going to close in worship. Amen.